Welcome to another spectacular word from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Today, let me encourage you to open up your Bibles if, you, uh, if you're looking in your Bible today. We're going to be going to the book of Colossians in a moment. And today, our message is going to be uh, entitled, The Secret. Let me tell you before we go there. Uh, you are not born by accident. I felt yesterday that there would be someone or someone listening or someone here today that needs to realize that no one is born by accident. And not only that, but there is nothing done in the earth without God's notice. God knows where you are. He knows your name. God has a personal investment in your life. You may not even know it. You may not realize it. You may not feel it. But nonetheless, God is very involved with you. He is guiding you and guarding you and protecting you. He's watching over you. And he's hoping that someone will share a message of eternal life with you at some point. He's hoping that all of his preparation and all of his work in your life so far and all the times that he has intervened and, and all of the, uh, the, the moments that he has given you that, 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 that somehow has just made you wonder if he's here or if he notices or if there is a God. For, you know, perhaps some of you have just you know, consciously wondered you know, does God even know I'm alive? Yes, he does. I'm here to tell you that he has a plan for your life. You know, I cannot imagine better news than to hear that God was watching the day that you were born. He was. He wants a relationship with you. I know that I'm talking to so many people who are already born again, but let me tell you the reality of what church has to do. Church has to reach the lost. We could stop doing a lot of things, but we cannot stop reaching the lost. We should not stop singing, but we could. We should not stop preaching, but we could. We should not stop getting together, but we could. We should not stop doing missions, you know, uh, you know doing all the wonderful things, but, but we could. But one thing we cannot do is we cannot stop winning the lost. It is our goal. It is our hope. Why? Because God was attending every birth. He has a plan for every life. He's that big. I cannot imagine better news than to hear that the creator of the universe knows I'm alive and knows my name. And he wants me to participate in his plan. That he has a place for me on his team. He has a place for you. God has a special place for you on his team. Do you know there's something that God has for you to do? That he's chosen you to do, created you to do? that he's been working behind the scenes preparing you to do it, there's something, no, you, might, you, know, you might say no. You can say no. There was a young lady who ended up, because of God's orchestration, marrying a king. Her name was Esther. She had no claim to the throne, 
but rather God orchestrated her everyday life. And it seemed to her perhaps that God was not even aware or involved with her life. She had a lot of trauma in life. She had lost her parents. She went through a difficult time. She was a Jew living in a Gentile world, living you know, in, in a place where Jews were not liked, where they were not appreciated, and soon where there would be a bounty on their head, where she stood in danger of being uh, slaughtered, killed, executed, uh, murdered for no reason at all except that she was not like the people around her. And yet God orchestrated through her life. He didn't, he, he didn't seem to be there. And all of a sudden she realized he was there. He opened doors for her that no man could shut. He had a plan for her life that was beyond imagination, beyond description. He had a plan for her that no man could stop. Almighty God had decided that there was a destiny that she had to make. And then she found herself, through no claim of her own, through nothing that she could have made happen, she found herself married to a king. And one day, she was presented with an opportunity. The opportunity, God knew it was coming. God had orchestrated everything and put every person in place. The opportunity she was given was to go before the king and to ask him to please not let her people be slaughtered innocently. But she was afraid. She was afraid because there was a law in the land that if you came to the king without being asked to come, then the law said you had to be put to death. And the only way that she could survive and not be put to death is if the king lifted up his scepter and gave her a pardon. And he was not used to doing that. It was a very scary moment for her. And her cousin, a man who had raised her named Mordecai, who had a relationship with God, even though perhaps she did not have the same personal relationship that he had, he sent a message to her and said, you've got to go before the king and you've got to ask him. And she sent a message back and said, I cannot. Even though she had been prepared, even though God had been working in her life, even though perhaps she was unaware, you know, she had gone through a lot of trouble and trauma in life. And she had been raised by a cousin, an older man. It could not have been easy for her. And now she was in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a very comfortable situation. She was the queen of so much of the world, all the way from Babylon to India. She said no. You know, you can say no to your opportunity. She said no. Mordecai sent back a word to her, and he said, I want you to know that if you refuse to do what God has made you and created you and put you in place to do, that's your choice. If you refuse to say yes to God, that's your choice. God will raise up someone else to do it. But right now, it's, it, it would cost you and all of your family their lives. 
And it would take God a long time to raise up somebody else to bring deliverance to the people. But he will raise up deliverance. He will raise up help from another place because he's God. What does that mean? That should give us to understand that if God asked us to do something, if he created us to do something, if he, if he orchestrated our lives, even though life has not been perfect, even though it's been hard, even though at times it's been traumatic, even though it's been difficult, yet we have an appointment with destiny. And we, we come to that moment, and when God gives us an opportunity, we can say no. But if we do, God will raise up another, but it might take him a long time to do it. And the people who could have had deliverance, the people, the family, your family, as it was Esther's family, who could have been blessed and saved, would not be. It's very important that we realize that God has been working in our lives. God's been working in your life. God's been working in your life, in your life, in your life. Without respect to who you are, even if you've gone through difficulty and trauma and tragedy and disappointment, and even if life has not been perfect, you may not realize, but he's involved in your life every day because God has something. He's created you and prepared you for something that he needs you to do. God is just that meticulous in his plan. So she said... Okay, pray for me. I'm going to do it. And if I perish, I perish. But I am going to see the king. So they prayed and sought God for her and with her. And she went boldly before the king. And he lifted up his scepter and pardoned her. And her people were saved. What a wonderful story. I don't think it worked out so well for the man in Jesus' day. Whenever Jesus was on the road to the cross and he was passing through Jericho for the very last time, Jesus was looking for someone to help some poor people. He was concerned, Jesus was, about some poor people. There were no doubt some poor people praying. I don't know what, you know, what poor widow was praying that day. But someone touched the heart of God. And so Jesus was on a mission. He was looking for someone who was wealthy. But don't you know God had already prepared someone who was wealthy. God had already been working in the life of a young man. And he was unaware that God was working in his life. And God had no doubt orchestrated him becoming wealthy and getting some, some money and some wealth together. And we know him as the young rich ruler who came to Jesus on that road to Jericho. As Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, he was almost to Jericho, and this young, rich ruler came up to him. Uh, and he's young, he's rich, he's a ruler. And he may not have realized that God had made him a young, rich ruler. That God had been working in his life, all of his life. That God knew when he was born, and God was orchestrating and putting things together because there was an appointment with destiny that this man had. God knew someone needed something, and that this man could be used to do it. And so this man comes to Jesus and says, Sir, what must I do to be saved? And, 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 and Jesus tells him, you know, you know, how can I enter into the kingdom? You know, Jesus says, Well, you know, you know what you're supposed to do he said yes and i've been doing what i'm supposed to do but something's not you know not right jesus said we only lack one thing only one thing do you lack in moving your life into the will of god 
what is that the young rich ruler said jesus said go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor he was looking for somebody to bless the poor the young rich ruler probably thought it was all about himself he probably thought he was getting rich for himself he probably thought you know but the young rich ruler having heard that Jesus said, go and sell what you have and give it to the poor and come and follow me. And I promise you, you will have riches in heaven. And the young rich ruler said, "Uh uh-uh, ain't no way. The Bible says that young rich ruler said no to his opportunity, to the opportunity Jesus gave him. And the Bible says the young rich ruler turned and walked away sorrowful. The Bible says Jesus loved that young rich ruler. But the young rich ruler was sorry because he had a lot of money, the Bible says, and he didn't want to let go of the money in order to do the will of God. He was probably afraid. I'll be poor. I won't get to eat. I don't know what to do. I mean, I mean all the things that Esther said to herself. I mean, I mean I, I'm living in a palace, you know? No, I mean, I mean, I mean I'm, I'm willing to help, but not that much. Well, who do you think put you where you are? Who do you think got you all you have? Who do you think's been watching over you every day? Who do you think that, you know, covers you and meets you? Who do you, well, but my life hadn't been perfect. No, no one's life is. The young retruder walked away sorrowful. Lost his opportunity. We never hear of him again. But Jesus was still on a mission. Jesus walked right on down the road, went into Jericho, and the Spirit of God had moved on the heart of a man that that was not born again. He was a notorious sinner named Zacchaeus. The Bible says he was a notorious sinner. Everybody knew this man was a big sinner. He was a big sinner, but he was rich. And Jesus needed a rich man. And God was going to raise up deliverance for some poor people from somewhere. And just because the young rich ruler didn't want the blessing didn't mean that Jesus didn't need somebody with some money. He went on down and looked up in that tree and said, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house today. Now, Zacchaeus didn't even know why he was in the tree. I mean, come on now. He couldn't, I mean, he just wanted to go and climb up in the tree and see this man walking in. I mean, Zacchaeus couldn't have known what God had planned for him. But he said yes. And Jesus went to his house. The Bible doesn't tell us, it didn't give us insight into the conversations. But we can well imagine that at some point, Jesus would have said to Zacchaeus, well, this is what you need to do. Sell what you have, you know, and settle your debts because you've been stealing from people. Give them back what you stole with interest. And then with the other half, you give it to the poor. You go ahead and meet this need. And Zacchaeus said, sure, I'm going to do that. And the Bible says that Zacchaeus sold what he had. He gave half of it to the poor and he restored to everybody he had robbed from. Everybody that he had cheated, he restored to them with interest. The sad moment is, is that, you know, God had worked in the lives of both of those men, preparing them for their day. One said yes, one said no. We can say yes or we can say no today. But the church cannot cease to offer the opportunity to people to say yes or to say no and today today the secret that i want to share with you 
is good news. You have been given an opportunity to know God. God's hand is firmly on your life, whether you know it or not, whether you can feel it or not. He holds you close to his heart. And today he wants to make sure that you know a secret that people in times past did not know. Colossians, the second chapter. Colossians 1, I'm sorry. Colossians chapter 1. Reading from the New Living Translation, verse 25. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Colossae. He says, God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. So let me just tell you this morning, God has given me the responsibility of serving his church. And the way he wants me to serve the church is to proclaim, is to preach, is to share this message, the entire message to you. Uh, what is God's message to you right now? Well, n- number one, God's message to you is that you can depend on Jesus no matter who you are, where you are, what you're going through, what you have come from, or where you're headed. Whether you are wealthy or whether you are poor, you can depend on Jesus. That's his message. You can depend on Jesus. He's loving, he's kind, he's merciful. He knows what you are facing. He is easily touched, the Bible says, with your infirmities. He's easily touched with everything that concerns you. He loves you, and he wants to be your friend. He wants to be your friend. Do you know he chose you? You didn't choose him. He chose you before the foundation of the world. He loves you. You can depend on him. A second part of his message is that your words make a difference. Throughout, you know, the whole Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, we need to understand that what we say makes a difference. What we say about ourselves, what we say about Him, what we say about others, what we say to ourselves about ourselves. Do you know words created the universe? God said, let there be light. And the Bible says that God creates the fruit of our lips. Our words make a difference. Your words will authorize life or death to have a place in your life and in the life of others. You know, certainly you have experienced someone saying something ugly to you and it hurting your feelings. Certainly you have experienced someone being unkind to you and it puts you in a place, in a hole in life. And if you have spent your life with someone who is important to you, saying ugly and, and, and degrading things to you all day long, every day, it has taken its toll on your life. Or perhaps, and God forbid, you have been one of those people who has been saying unkind and ugly and degrading things to others. It makes a difference. Maybe you say ugly things to yourself about yourself. Stop it. Your words authorize life or death. Please, you know, you can say yes today. Your words make a difference. The young retriever said no. Your words make a difference. Zacchaeus said yes. You know, just saying yes to Jesus can make a difference. It can make a difference. It sets us on a new course. Saying I will puts us on a new course. 
Have you ever been to a wedding and, 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 and the person who's performing the wedding officiating says, uh, do you take this man to be your lawfully wedded husband? And the person says, no. I won't. What would happen? Well, it would set their life on a different course than saying yes. Saying yes puts your life on a different course than saying no. Saying yes. Say yes to Jesus. Say yes to forgiveness. Say yes to forgiving other people. Do you know forgiveness is not the measure of the person you're forgiving, but it's the measure of God inside of you. God has forgiven me. It says nothing about me. It says everything about him. When I forgive, when I love, when I'm gracious, when I'm kind, I'm being like Christ. It says nothing about the idiot that I'm being kind to. Hello. <laughs> All right. Now next time I smile at you and shake your hand, you're going to think, does he think I'm an idiot? <laughs> uh, maybe not. No. I'm your words make a difference. What you say to others can bring them closer to God or farther away. And what you say to yourself can do the same thing. The message of God. You can depend on Jesus. Your words make a difference. And then let me tell you, the message of God. I'm here to declare to you the message that God has for you. It's a message that God forgives. Perhaps you have been that person that's been ugly or unkind or maybe you've given voice to things that 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 you wish you could take back those words you wish you could stop that well let me tell you god forgives right now he will forgive you god forgives so should we it was a secret to so many generations that god would forgive god always looked judgmental and critical he always looked condemning. He always looked like somebody who was going to murder you or was dangling you over the fires of hell. He always looked like someone who was going to you know, uh, just, just you know, un unreasonably criticize and judge you. And there's, there's no way you could please him. This is what so many people felt. It was a secret that God would forgive. This should give us a lot of hope for the future. Verse 26 says that this message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. Now, it's, now you've been told. You've been told this secret. You can depend on Jesus. Your words make a difference and God forgives. You've been given this secret. It's been hidden, this message, for generations Verse 27, for God wanted them to know that the riches and the glory of Christ are for you Gentiles. It's for you. you. You were once not included in the plan of God. That's what everyone believed, but now you are. Do you know when I was growing up as a young man in my small community, there's no way that anyone ever imagined. In fact, they still laugh in my uh, hometown community that I'm a preacher. No one ever expected that. I didn't expect it. No one else did. You know. But now they see. Now I see. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. Wow. Do we really believe that? Can we say yes to Christ living in me? How about when I'm angry? How about when I'm sad? How about when I'm, when I, when I'm hurt? How about when I'm you know, hurting others? Christ lives in me. 
I need to make sure I realize that. It's a secret. This gives you assurance of sharing His glory. I have assurance. I have hope. So we tell others about Christ. That's what we want to do. Warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us, we want to present them to God perfect in their relationship to Christ. Isn't that our hope? Isn't that our hope with our children? Isn't that our hope with our family and our friends? If you could impact someone else's life so that they became pleasing to Jesus, wouldn't that be great? The Apostle Paul says that I have no greater joy than to know that my children are basically pleasing Jesus. I have no greater joy than to know that my children and my grandchildren are pleasing Jesus. There's no greater joy. So we teach and we warn everyone, hoping that we can present them to God as pleasing to Him perfect in their relationship to Christ. It's a secret. It was. It's not any longer a secret. Christ lives in you, and you can make a difference. He loves you and has a plan for your life. And if you're not sure that you're born again, you can be sure today. It's very, very simple. When you recognize that you need a Savior, and you do, it is important that we repent of our sins that we realize that we're sorry for the times that we have not manifest and reflected Christ in our lives. I'm sorry. And then we receive Jesus. We recognize, repent, and receive. We receive Christ. How do we do that? By calling upon His name. That's what, if you read Colossians, that's exactly what it says. You know, we call upon His name. When we call on the name of Jesus and ask Him to forgive us and to save our souls, He will. You can do that right now. You can do that here. You can do that online. You might say, oh, come on, come on. You might say, you might say no. Why would you say no? What is wrong with you? You can ask Jesus to come into your problems. You can ask Jesus to come into your fears. You can ask Him to come and share in your joy. He's been covering you and protecting you all of your life. And he's brought you to the point right now where you've heard the message that you can depend on him, that your words make a difference and he forgives. Why wouldn't you say, yeah, yes, come into my family, come into my heart. Come, Jesus, come in. Yes, Jesus, I'm sorry where I have not let you in. I'm sorry where I have not reflected your love. Forgive me. Help me. Heal me where other people have hurt me. Heal my nation. Heal my family. Heal my friends. Yes, Jesus. That's your choice. That's your choice. Say yes. Hey, thanks again for joining us for another powerful message from Pastor Ron Hemmons. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, Receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.